if somebody is bringing you like a, you know, a really intense struggle, uh, it's natural. You want to eliminate that struggle for them and it's natural to want to go into fixing mode, but um, you know, you can maybe get to that if it's appropriate, but just like listening to them deeply and validating them. And, and that could just be simply saying, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. That sucks. It's uh, it really sucks that you're going through that. And, and I feel for you and I'm, I'm here to feel with you. And that, in my experience, more often than not, is far more powerful, far more useful to the other person than trying to come up with solutions. Because often, you know, the problem with advice is that, um, A, often, you know, our experience doesn't equip us to, to give proper advice for whatever it is that they're struggling with. B, uh, advice can often come off as judgmental. It's like, oh, have you thought of doing, you know, why haven't you thought of doing this? And it's like, and um and see our advice could just you know it could just be plain wrong and cause more harm than good and but listening to somebody and validating their experience and just being with them you know it's the it's the classic quote-unquote holding space uh that most people you know they, they don't really know what the heck that means and it's a and it's a strange <laughs> phrase but it really is just like i'm here with you we're going to be in this space together of your pain and your struggle and I'm here to sit in that with you. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to validate. It's okay for you to feel, you know, crappy about this and and whatever. And that that is a very useful thing to to give to a person. Welcome to another episode of Unleash Thyself. I am Constantine Moroon, your guide on this journey of self discovery and connection. Today we are thrilled to welcome Mike Burchich, a serial entrepreneur, adventurer, and a maestro of human connection. Mike's journey spans over 26 years, founding numerous companies and leading transformative retreats in some of the most breathtaking places on earth. From the ice fjords of Greenland to the monasteries of Bhutan, Mike doesn't just explore the world, he delves into the human soul. In this episode, Mike shares his insights on the science and practice of connection, community and belonging. We discuss how we have evolved for connection the neuroscience of belonging, and practical ways to bring more connection into our lives and our communities. We will also dive into Mike's work in fostering connection in the workplace and its impact on productivity and well-being. He will share his experiences from leading adventure-based personal development retreats and his learnings on how travel can be a path to personal growth and deeper connections. Mike's work focuses on nurturing communities that resonate with authenticity and vulnerability. So sit back, open your heart and your mind, and get ready to be inspired by Mike's incredible story of connection, community, and the human spirit. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, and share your thoughts in the comments. Your support helps us continue bringing these impactful stories to light. Let's welcome Mike Burchish to Unleash Thyself and embark on this journey of connection and transformation together. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. I am thrilled to welcome Mike Burchish to the show. Mike, we can't wait to hear more about your experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you were on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Mike, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. It's a, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and chatting with you, and I'm glad we have uh, the time to, to, go, to go deep together. Absolutely, Mike. So your journey has been fantastic so far, right? You've done quite a few things in your life. And for those in the audience that don't know much about you, what, how would you summarize your life in 30 seconds. My life, well, uh, it's a cross between a very bumpy transatlantic crossing in a small rowboat and a very terrifying roller coaster and uh, with moments of sheer bliss and joy. <laughs> I don't know if that quite, quite quite captures my 52 years, but it's certainly emblematic of, of the journey, which has uh, taken a lot of twists and turns, like many lives, um, but you know all those all those hardships and twists and turns. I'm grateful for today. Absolutely, I love the way you described it, Mike. Thank you for that. So, if we were to look back at your life, when would you say the first moment in your life when you felt truly like you were unleashing, you know, that best version, that be, that that best Mike to come through? Was it in your childhood? Was it in your adult, you know, young adult years, or later in life? 
Yeah, I guess I, I mean I, I look at that as a as an ongoing life journey, right? And and this is a lot of what I you know what what we explore with my events with Wayfinders is how do we get to how do we get to something truer, you know, a, a, a truer version of ourselves that's beyond all the all the messages and all the you know the shoulds that have been laid upon us. And you know, uh, I, I probably put a heck, heck of a lot more work into that than most people. Uh, I still feel like there's a there's so many layers of the onion to to peel off and uncover and but there have been certainly if you look at the arc of it you know there have been moments where that journey has been much more profound or much more urgent or much more forced upon me um I would say the biggest one was in my early thirties going through uh going through a period of intense intense mental and emotional struggle. Um, you would, the medical establishment would call it uh, a depression. I would call it uh, a long, dark night of the soul followed by an awakening, I guess you could say. Uh, And that was a very transformative experience. You know, the person that emerged on the other end of that two years later was very different than the person that went through that. And the the second um, sort of awakening or transformation was meeting my wife and uh, and then soon after having children and children will wake you up in a hurry um, because, you know, unless <clears throat> unless you're totally unconscious, you are f- and, and don't really care about the impact on your children. You're forced to wake up and confront yourself. And, you know, and now with three teen- teenagers, that's even more acute every day. Uh, and then the final big sort of transition period was that roughly two year period between starting my current company and selling my previous company. There was a bit of an overlap there. And that was another really turbulent time and that, that forced me to grow and ask a lot of tough questions. And uh, I'm, I'm deeply grateful for all of those things. And of course, of course, my children and my wife, but I'm also deeply grateful for the, you know, intense struggles that w- went along with, um, you know, some of the other ones that I mentioned there. Absolutely, Mike. And thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable. And I would imagine that first, uh, the first awakening moment, right, when you said you went through a two-year period of depression and and being in that dark space has brought you to where you are today, or at least you know paved the way to where you are today. And I've been in a similar spot not long ago, and it took me a while to get out of it as well. And it's almost like you said, you the, the man that started the journey is very different when they when it comes out on the other end, or when he comes out on the other end. But I'm I'm going to ask you this: What helped you the most to navigate the journey? Because of course, be it months long or years long, it's a tough journey, but the at least in my case, there were a few elements that helped me navigate and come out on the other end successfully, which unfortunately some people can't say they've been able to do just yet. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll give you the answer that I would have given you, you know, back in 2006 as I was emerging from that. And I'll give you the answer I would give you today, both of which are true and relevant. Um, the answer I would give you, you know, back in 2006, as I was starting to emerge, 2006, 2007, I was starting to emerge from that. Probably the biggest impact um, on helping me get through that situation was my therapist, a very, very skilled man that uh, I still look up to this day and very compassionate. And um, and he not we did a lot of one on one work, but we also he also, you know, maybe six months into that process, invited me into this group that he and his wife, his wife was also a therapist uh, that he and his wife had put together. And um, I thought. I thought I was going into a support group and it was, it was anything. Well, I guess there were elements of a support group. There certainly were. I don't want to belittle that, but it was, they called it an encounter group. And the, the idea behind that was, you know, every Wednesday night for three hours, we would be in this, you know, in this room in their basement, soundproof room so that, uh, you know, anything that could happen and wants to happen would happen in there. And for those three hours, you are forced to encounter yourself. And by having these other six or seven people, as well as the therapist mirroring back to you who you are in the world, because, you know, and that is very rare in the world, right? You can, you can get a lot away with a lot of shit in the world and uh, with the people in your life and the people around you because of, you know, politeness and decor and whatever. And, uh, but in that context, the therapist and the other people just wouldn't let you get away with anything. Right. And so Anyway, that, that helped me really discover some habitual patterns that um, that had persisted. You know, I was 
roughly 34 at the time, discovered these patterns that had persisted through my entire life that I was completely unconscious of and, you know, didn't, <clears throat> didn't have awareness of how those affected other people. And uh, also to release a lot of stuff through the, the help of those therapists. And uh, that, was, that was a big wake-up call and, and you're really probably the most condensed and profound growth I've had, uh, you know, in my, in my entire life. And um, so I'm, I'm deeply grateful to my therapist and, and his wife and the other people who were in that room with me. I think we were together for about a year and a half, I want to say. And, um, and the, the, you know, the answer that I would give today, and I still have many, many struggles um, to this day, even though I'm deeply grateful for my life, there are, there are lots of struggles along the way. But what has been really helpful to me is being able to bring myself to a, a, a mental frame or an emotional frame of when I'm going through struggle, when something, you know, that I want to label as bad or difficult is happening, is being able to reframe that as this is happening for me. And there's something that life, that some, there's something that life is trying to teach me here. And I can just, you know, bitch and chew and whine and complain about this, or I can choose to ask that question, why is this happening for me? And then the follow-up question to that is, what can I learn from this situation? Or what am I supposed to learn? Or, you know, why is the universe throwing uppercuts at me? And uh, what do I need to do to stop getting those uppercuts? And it's kind of like, you know, that cliche is like the universe will keep giving you that lesson until you actually decide to learn it. And um, so that's that's really useful whenever whenever I'm going through something really challenging. like, oh, there's something this is really difficult. This sucks and it feels awful. But there's something there's something for me here and I need to stay curious and open to it. And, uh, and that also helps you avoid pointing fingers every, everywhere else, you know, at other people, at the world, at the, the state of the world, God, you know, whatever you want to, you, you can then orient towards yourself and say, hey, there's something I can learn. There's something I can do. There's some way that I can grow. And uh, let's get curious about that. And um, so if easier said than done, right? It's, it's a lot easier for me to just whine and point fingers and like, ah, you know, uh, but uh, I find that more helpful. And, uh, and and I think, you know, the most useful aspect of that, it helps you ascribe meaning to your struggle. And, um, and, and, and that's really helpful. Yes, yes. I love that you went there, Mike. And I cannot have the 100%. That's one of my biggest realizations in the last few years as well, is that everything does happen for you, but we're so conditioned. And that's what we learned in our life, in our earlier life, to, to point fingers or to look externally for reasons as to why something is happening to us as opposed to for us. So I love that you went there. You're absolutely right. It's much easier said than done because again, either being conditioning or human nature, it's very easy for us to, to look external because as soon as you look external, then you can absolve yourself of having to do anything about it. Right. So it's well, a good... and, the, and there's, there's plenty of, plenty of things out there. There's lots of, you know, visual auditory, whatever cues you want, things that you can point at. Whereas looking inward is a lot harder. You know, it's there, there aren't so many clues in there. To, to discover at least not obvious ones right and so yeah, not obvious ones it's like you said a therapist can help significantly there there are tons of different alternative therapists as well that have been helping me to to see those parts of myself that i wasn't able to see on my own and it sounds like one of your transformation experiences what, what you mentioned is that one and a half year period in which you sat with like-minded individuals and were able to help each other see those blind spots and and challenge yourself so you can be like, hey, you know what? That's not the mic I, I want to be, so I can change that. I'm curious, mm -hmm. that experience, how are you bringing that into your life today? Do you have a close group of people that you do something similar with so you can always check your blind spots? Or has, is it something that you do through your Wayfinders group, which we'll talk about in a bit as well? But I'm curious how you've taken that and applied it to the rest of your life for the last 20, 20 or so years. Yeah, yeah, great question. Um the answer to that is that I have several contexts in which I can apply that. I have a, you know, uh, a core group of really close friends um, with whom I can chat about anything. And we have a comfortable enough, a safe enough, a deep enough relationship that I can, you know, I can say to them, uh, you know, when you did this, this was, uh, this is how it affected me. And I can be direct with them uh, about that. And then they can do the, they can do the same for me. And, um, and I try to model that, you know, and by both reflecting that back to them, you know, how their behavior, how their words or, you know, whatever they did affected me um, and being open and upfront about that, 
but also giving them the invitation to do so, you know, both through me bringing it to them, but also explicitly saying, hey, listen, you know, if I've been doing something or I'm doing something that's pissing you off, I expect you to, to, to tell me and I want you to know that I'm totally open to that. Um, I also have a group. There's a group of five other men with whom I meet uh, once, a, once a month for three hours. And this is through another community that I, that I belong to. And, we, you know, we just had our, our monthly call yesterday and same kind of context. We can talk about anything. We can hold each other accountable. Um, and, you know, having people who will hold you accountable is such a, a valuable thing in life because most people don't have that, right? They're, they're just the people in their life are, are just content to just let them get away with, you know, what, bad behavior or or allow them to keep existing in that gap between who they say they want to be and who they are. And, um, and so it's rare to have those people who will hold you up to that standard that you say you want to hold yourself up to. Right. Um, and then through Wayfinders, you know, I, I exist in this host and facilitator role as at my events, but I also, I also navigate this role as participant. And so when I am, you know, and to give your listeners a bit of context. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. Uh, Wayfinders is my, is, is my company and I, take, uh, and I take entrepreneurs to faraway places, you know, remote places around the world. And we have these incredible adventures, but there's also this container of community, of connection, but also, um, you know, radical self-inquiry uh, is what I is what I call it. And so I take people through exercises designed to help them, you know, shine a light on themselves and the ways that they're not, you know, living the way they say they want to live. And um, when we're doing those exercises, I am more often than not, far more often than not, participating. In them as well. So if I break, if I'm breaking people up into groups of four, for instance, uh, I will join one of those groups and be there as a participant. And I've discovered that, you know, I had some trepidation around that. And then I discovered that people actually welcome that they want me there with them, and they want to see me being vulnerable and open. And, and um, it also helps to eliminate a little bit of that, like, you know, guru in front of the room kind of thing, like he's got it all figured out. Uh, because I certainly don't. And I can, you know, I can express to the rest of them, hey, listen, I'm I'm here to facilitate an experience, but that doesn't mean I've got all, all the answers and I've got it all figured out. And it also doesn't mean because I don't have it figured out that that I can't facilitate a meaningful experience for you. So all of these different contexts, and I would say, you know, probably the most valuable is my wife. She is very good at letting me letting me know when I'm, you know, when I'm <clears throat> when I'm not acting in the way that I say I want to act and when I'm acting in ways that, you know, compromise uh, her trust in me or, you know, or her trust in our relationship or whatever. And uh, for many years, I've been just, you know, resentful about that. And it's easier to point the finger at her and say, you know, she's crazy or she's angry or whatever. And uh, that's that's really shifted as of late where I'm, where I'm actually grateful for her. And she's pointing out to me not only her own needs, but, you know, the ways that I'm falling short of what I say I'm going to do, who I'm going to be. And that's that's really valuable in life. And uh, I'll take that over, you know, easy harmony, which I think doesn't really exist in relationships unless you're just leaving a lot of stuff unsaid, which is worse. Absolutely, Mike. I love that. And I'm with you 100%. I, uh, most of my life and the people I've uh, met and been friends with, I was really allowed to get away with too much, which then kept me small, kept me in a place of, like you said, in between of who I want to be and who I am right now and not allowing me to grow. And I made some shifts and in the process of joining communities and you know and, and fostering new friendships and fostering existing friendships to to get to that point that you explained but I'm curious from your point of view and for those listening how can someone take that first step or find a community they can join 
so they can foster this type of relationship. Because like you said, most of us don't have someone that will hold us accountable or even have the relationship where you can tell them everything that's in your mind and they can tell you everything that's in your mind and you're still good friends regardless of what's being said and you're working as a team to overcome something as opposed to it's me against you, Mike, or it's me against my partner. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, another one of those easier said than done things, right? Because you're you're working against the culture and we're working against a culture that likes to keep things uh, at a surface level. And, you know, to be honest, I still have some friendships in my life, people that I've known for a long time that still are kind of at that surface level. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, but we, you know, we still have lots of fun and whatnot. And I, and I don't, because I have all these other contexts in which I can go deep with people, I don't feel the need with those people. We can just keep it light and fun and, and kind of more shallow. Uh, but I know for other people, you know, they, they don't have those connections at all where they can go a little bit deeper. And I guess, you know, um, one of the easiest things is to like look for existing communities um, that that are doing this right. And so, I um, I became aware of a few years ago a community called Front Row Dads, which is a, a community designed to help men become more evolved fathers and partners and business people and stuff like that. And so I be I, I finally became a member earlier earlier this year, and that that is the the group that I that I mentioned, and. Uh, I have found that extremely useful and, and they provide, you know, that, that, um, that level of accountability and support for me. It's, and, you know, I, I happen to be an entrepreneur and I've been an entrepreneur for my entire adult life. And thankfully there, there are many, many communities for entrepreneurs, partly because being an entrepreneur can be quite lonely. And so there's a, there's a distinct need need for it. And so there's lots of people serving that need, but there, there are other communities um, that are out there for, you know, whatever your interest may be, or your career profile may be, or, or whatever that may be. And, you know, the, the challenging part is navigating that and finding the right community. And it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be in your area. Like the guys that are in my, in my, you know, accountability group for front row dads, we're scattered around North America, you know, United States, Canada. There's one guy in Norway. We haven't even met in person yet, but there's an incredible level of depth there, an incredible level of connection and respect. Uh, so, you know, that community is, you know, I, personally, I prefer face-to-face interaction uh, with people. Uh, but my preference would be I'd rather have a, a group of people that I can go deep with and, and we're remote rather than, you know, a community that's based around, playing soccer, but it, but it stays kind of shallow the entire time. Right. Um, so that's just me, but like it, it requires a bit of work going out there to find that community and who are the, where are the communities that are serving people like you and that are, you know, where their stated goals are, um, you know, that type of deep connection or that, you know, between members and stuff like that, because there's, you know, there's professional communities that exist just so people can network and, and uh, you know, get better at their professional lives. But then there are other communities that are explicit about, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve. Uh, so that, that's a starting point. With me, um, you know, I've I've been intentional about creating that for myself in many different contexts, not just Wayfinders, but I've hosted lots of events around Toronto, like dinner series and workshop series and whatever. And, um, you know, I, I and that requires a little bit more work. But if you identify, you know, what is what easiest way it is like what is the what is this the scratch that you're the itch that you're trying to scratch your own personal one right and that's a really great starting point and if it's like you know i'm i'm a graphic designer and i want to connect with other graphic designers about the challenges in this industry and whatnot um there's probably other people who are looking you know for what you're who have the same um itch and you can create something for them and you could just start really easy and say, Hey, we're, you know, I'm hosting a get together, reach out if you know a couple other graphic designers and then ask them if they know a couple other and say, this is what I'm trying to create. And so, you know, I know one of, one of my members, Wayfinders members, he's in the construction industry and there's, you know, and he has told me that, that uh, mental illness is rife in the construction industry, but nobody's talking about it. And there's nowhere for, you know, typically men in the construction industry, there's nowhere for these men to turn to, to get, uh, you know, other than their own sort of individual research, but there's a culture of just bottling it up. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so he's creating this community 
of people in the construction industry to be able to talk about not just challenges in the construction industry, of which there are many, but also personal challenges and stuff like that. And he's kind of taken the bull by the horns and said, hey, there's nothing like this out there. I'm going to do this. So, you know, that's one option. I also, you know, big advocate of starting small. You can just like host a host a dinner in your house or a barbecue or, you know, a coffee or whatever. And then you can go online and you can search like, you know, conversation cards. And there's there's dozens of them out there uh, that are like cards that, you know, have prompts and questions that are designed to help you take conversation deeper. And I find when you have like a prop, like a actual card and uh, and it feels more like a game or something like that, then people are a little bit more willing to play along rather than if you just like start off like, okay, so tell me what's the most you know difficult thing you've ever gone through in your life? People are like, well, where did that come from? What's going on? <laughs> Yes. Uh, where it's like, you know, pull a card out. It's like, whoa, you know, I guess we're going deep first. And uh, so that that's a great starting point. It's just like, you know, if you have a couple of people that you'd like to connect with more deeply, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I want to, uh, I'm hosting a barbecue at my place and uh, you can set it up a little bit. You know, we're going to, I'm trying to facilitate some deep conversation here and connect people. And do you want to, do you want to take part? And, and if you don't know that many people, you know, again, you can just start with one or two people and say, hey, do you know anybody else who might like to join? Something like that. And and I find it's like people are just starving for this, this level of depth and level of connection. And if you create that invitation for them, people will generally, you know, they will they will jump at it. I love that, Mike. And I'm definitely going to steal that idea from you that last one you mentioned. Uh, it's such a good way. And everything you've shared, right, it has one thing in common that I've seen. You have to take the first step. You have to take the action. You can't wait for others to invite you in these groups or to lead you to find those connections. You have to put in a bit of work. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, again, sometimes we are not shown or thought as we grow up, as we go through culture, as we go through our adult years. And most people say, you know what? It's very hard to make relationships or friendships while you're an adult. And that's true. But like anything else in life, if you put a bit of action, right? If you put a bit of effort into it, the, the benefits can be immense. And I well, love it. I would say that it's also hard to keep relationships, right? Yes. And so yeah. I, I just, I, I just had this conversation with, uh, with one of my sons in the, in the drive to school, because uh, there was this friend of his that he hadn't seen in a while, and he was kind of being uh, a little bit hesitant or wishy-washy about reaching out to him, and you know, I used that as an invitation to talk about relationships, and I said, you know, relationships. Uh, require nurturing. You can't just take them for granted because what happens is, you know, a month goes by and then you both kind of feel a little bit awkward because so much time has gone by and then you let another month go by and then it gets harder and harder. And then that relationship just kind of withers and, and, and falls away. And I said, you know, you need to nurture that relationship. And, you know, kids can kind of, can a lot of the time can take it for granted, right? Because they're like in school and they're, you know, or in the playground or whatever. And they're in these contexts where, it just naturally happens and there's people around to play with and stuff like that. But as adults, it's very easy to, you know, go through life without those contexts where you have a place and an opportunity to connect and you got to, you got to work at it. And unfortunately, you know, it, it is work. And if it's something that you value in your life and I value it very highly and people should, because the research shows that it's the, the number one factor for your well-being, then you got to work at it and you got to invest at it the same way you would invest in your career where you go to the gym you know, if you're going to if you're going to spend five hours a week at the gym, well, can't you spend five hours a week investing in your relationships and the community around you and the connections that you have? You know, it's 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 the research will show you that's actually more effective for your longevity and your health than going to the gym. Doesn't mean you don't have you, you know, you can't do both. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know when I was checking out Wayfinders, right, and I'm looking at uh, some of the criteria that you listed, one that stuck out to me, and that's something that I've, again, come to realize later in life than I would like to admit, is that true connection never really happens without both vulnerability and authenticity. And that's kind of, I believe, what you're touching on right now. But let's let's dive into it a bit deeper. Why do you think the vulnerability and authenticity are both crucial to forming a true connection? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I would say vulnerability is the precursor to authenticity, right? Because if... Uh, authenticity is just simply being brave enough to show who you are, all all the aspects of yourself and not, uh, and not giving into the urge to hide those parts of yourself that you find difficult to share. And that, that of course requires vulnerability, right? And so if I am hiding these things and you are hiding these things and we're trying to connect, 
we are we are connecting on the level of constructions you know this this fabrication that i've made of myself this fabrication you've you've made of yourself and you know in entrepreneur circles it's very easy to do that you go to these events and everybody's got their chest puffed out and they're talking about how big their company is and all the awards they want and everything and you know i know enough people in this world to know those those carefully constructed personas they you know those people are really struggling their marriage is falling apart their health is terrible their company is on the verge of bankruptcy whatever and if you are if you are going around without that vulnerability and authenticity you're asking me to connect with some projected version of you some constructed uh, image of you that isn't real and w- w- i i can't connect with that people can't connect that way we need to connect on a level where we and of course it takes time to get that you know i don't go to a like a networking event and just bare my soul to everybody uh but uh my goal is if i want to nurture a connection i want to get to that level where we can be open and i want to you know again this is like work on my part i i need to create that invitation for the other person and usually that means like leading first and and i i sort of look at it as a vulnerability ladder right and so you take little steps on the ladder you don't jump 10 rungs and so if i if i were to just meet you i'm you know and and i kind of did it right at the beginning of this podcast but you know talking about my depression all that kind of stuff but that's that's because you know i know your podcast is about about getting at that truth and i'm comfortable talking about that but if i just met you at some event i wouldn't lead with that 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 would be kind of awkward right yes. but i might you know i might ask you a question uh you know, my my favorite technique is just to invite people to tell stories, and I and I might you know after we get through the the small talk or whatever, say, hey, like tell me about something that's been you know bugging you or something you've been struggling with this year, and then then it's up to you to kind of read read the level of comfort and safety or whatever, and then you can choose to take that as deep as you want, and um, and and if I do the same, and then then if we feel comfortable with that, we can take another step up the ladder. And, you know, next time we see each other or whatever, but like, you know, if you try to jump too many rungs, then, then you potentially instill panic in the other person or, you know, awkwardness or whatever. But if you can get to that place where, you know, kind of nothing's off limits and you can just talk about what's you know on your mind or what's on your soul or your heart or whatever, that is, that is where people truly connect. And, um, and I'll give you one concrete example. Um, at my Wayfinders events, one of the one of the first exercises I typically do, not always, but often, one of the first one of the first times we get together as a group and we're sitting around in a circle. On the packing list, I ask people to bring a small object of personal significance with them. And then at this first exercise, we set up a little uh, you know table or something in the middle of the circle, and we all sit around in chairs. And I invite people to go around the circle and just tell a story about their object and then place it in the middle. And I say, you know, this is, uh, we're creating our kind of sacred space together. And this is our little altar. This is the repository of our stories and our hopes and dreams and, you know, who we are as people. And it's incredible when you you give people that invitation and they'll tell you a story about, you know, a ring that was given to them by their father before he passed away or something that was given to them you know, by their child before they went off to college or something. And there's always tears and just people, you know, being deeply human and open and authentic. And it's an incredibly connecting experience. And you can just feel the energy in the room shift. And everybody's like, wow, you know, that's where we're going. This is this is amazing. And this feels good. And it feels safe. And I can just be myself. And all those, you know, struggles and difficult aspects of myself that I that I'm ashamed of, I don't have to hide them anymore. And that when you when you give people the invitation to meet at that level, it's it's incredible. It's an incredible level of connection. And so, you know, I get people routinely telling me I've never experienced an event where I connected with other people on this level or might even say I've never, ever connected with somebody on this level. And um, so that to me is really important to have those places where people can do that. Yes, I, I love the example, Mike. And it reminds me of the first time I felt that, which was about a year and a half ago when I went to Ecuador by myself, went on a mental health retreat, and I was able to share space with people that felt like a community where we were uh, overcoming challenges together. And it makes it a bit easier to connect when, like you said, you're vulnerable. People are sharing some of their darkest, most intimate stories and experiences and struggles. 
And all you have to do is listen, provide the, a shoulder for them to cry on. And then if they ask, maybe you can provide some input. And I, I can tell you like that experience transformed my life because I was able to come out of it after 12 days with friendships that last to this day and are stronger than friendships that, you know, took six, seven, 10 plus years to, to build mm-hmm. because you got to that vulnerable state and authentic self very, very fast. And it doesn't stay at the shallow level. Yeah. And, and you touched on, on an important point there, which is that, you know, one of the greatest gifts you can give to another person is to, is to just truly listen to them and, and help them feel, feel heard and seen. Right. And uh, that's another one of those things that's sadly rare uh, in our world. And so what results is you have people who feel unseen, who feel unheard, heard, who walk around with these, you know, constructed versions of themselves who walk around with masks on, who walk around with, with armor on. And that is, that's frankly exhausting. It's psychologically, it's physically exhausting. It's emotionally, mentally exhausting. And so when you can give that gift to somebody else of just truly seeing them and, and hearing them and feeling them, it's, uh, it's an incredible gift you can give to another person. Absolutely. And I can attest to that. I mean, I've been someone that has been walking like that in the past, right? And it is very tiring. It is very exhausting. You feel like you, you're not being seen or heard but then a lot of the stuff is with you, right? You have to make the choices to come outside of the shell, put the armor down every now and then and, and see how it feels. And as with the listening part, that's so critical that you mentioned that because again, I look at myself as an example, I know myself best. I used to be someone that would listen with the intent to respond and provide a solution because I was raised as someone that had to have the answers, had to provide solutions. And I feel like a lot of us are that way, right? Like if I tell you about my struggle, your first inclination will likely be, ooh, how can I help Constantino? How can I help him get over that? Versus just, hey, maybe let's see if he wants to just be heard first. And then mm-hmm. together we maybe find something to work on. Yeah, that, that's that's beautiful. And you hit the nail on, on the head there. That's actually something I was in Uganda hosting an event a couple of months ago. And that's something that we that we went deep on is is how do we just sit with another person, listen to them, validate their emotional experience without without rushing into problem-solving mode? And this is, you know, the, the cliche, which is, uh, I, I think, unfortunately true, is men are very good at rushing into fixing mode. And uh, and women are certainly prone to it too. But, you know, if somebody, if somebody is bringing you like a, you know, a really intense struggle, uh, it's natural, you know, you want to you want to eliminate that struggle for them, and it's natural to want to go into fixing mode. But um, you know, you can maybe get to that if it's appropriate. But just like listening to them deeply and validating them, and and that could just be simply saying, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that sucks. It's uh, it really sucks that you're going through that, and and I feel for you, and I'm I'm here to feel with you. And that, in my experience, more often than not, is far more powerful, far more useful to the other person than trying to come up with solutions. Because often, you know, the problem with advice is that, um, A, often, you know, our experience doesn't equip us to to give proper advice for whatever it is that they're struggling with. B, uh, advice can often come off as judgmental. It's like, oh, have you thought of doing, you know, why haven't you thought of doing this? And it's like, and, um, and see, our advice could just, you know, it could just be plain wrong and cause more harm than good. And, but, listening to somebody and validating their experience and just being with them. You know, it's the, it's the classic quote unquote holding space uh, that most people, you know, they, they don't really know what the heck that means. And it's a, and it's a strange <laughs> phrase, but it really is just like, I'm here with you. We're going to be in this space together of your pain and your struggle. And I'm here to sit in that with you. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here to validate. It's okay for you to feel, you know, crappy about this and, and whatever. And that, that is a very useful thing to to give to a person. And, you know, after you sit with that for a while, you can, you know, maybe the other person says, hey, maybe you can help me like brainstorm how to, that's great. But like, if you just jump right into that, it often doesn't give the other person what they need. A hundred percent. And uh, so many thoughts come to mind, but I would say I would add D to your list of A, B, and C there, just uh, as, a, as a small thing I've noticed in my life, most people, and I include myself there, we know, the right answer or we know at least some solutions but maybe we just need to just share with others what we're going through what we feel like so we can come back to our own solution and and sit on something right so if you're coming up with solutions 
I might have a thought about it. Like you say, it comes judgmental, it comes, it, it comes off-putting. So that's really, really cool that you mentioned that. And I love that aspect. But the other part I was going to, I was going to mention is what I have found I'm trying right now in my life is two things. One, if I reach out to a friend and say, Hey, let's have a conversation. It's almost like I want to set, not necessarily the expectations, but say, Hey, I would like for you to listen to what I'm going through. And then maybe together we'll brainstorm. So communicating what you want out of the exchange could could solve an issue. Now, I'm mm-hmm. not doing it all the time because it depends on the friendships you have. But the second part of that, what I've started to do now with people I mentor, but people I also am friends with, when they reach out and they want to have a conversation, I'll ask, hey, you know, I'm here for you. Let me know what I can do for you. If you want me to just listen, let me know and I'll do exactly that. Because I have found in my life and with partners and friends, the communication usually is one critical aspect that we're not always the best at. And if we don't communicate what we want and the other person doesn't pick up on it, there's going to be a disconnect, like you mentioned. Yeah. And it's not going to allow for the true connection to form. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And you, you, you touched on a very important thing there, which is actually one of our, one of my personal beliefs. It's one of our community guiding principles. And that is look within, the answers are, are inside you. And so, you know, I often uh, in my events lead lead people through this process called a called a clearness committee, and it comes from the Quakers, and um, the and it comes from the premise that the answers to all of life's biggest questions are already inside us. The wisdom resides uh, inside us. It doesn't reside in anyone else because we're the only one ones with the sum total of our lived experience that has led to this moment, and we already know those answers. But because we're afraid to face it or we don't, you know, we, we, we're not used to accessing that wisdom or whatever reason, um, we, we haven't been able to find the answer. And so the clear, clearness committee, you know, we do this in groups of typically groups of three or four. One person will present something to, to the group, something that they're struggling with. And it's usually, you know, it's, it's usually not an intellectual challenge, you know, like I just can't figure out my Facebook marketing. Uh, it's more of like a, you know, a, a deeper life life kind of thing. And the the rest of the group will sit and listen and, you know, f- with full attention and full empathy and, f- and full curiosity. And then they will take turns over the, over the course of the next two hours asking what are called uh, uh, open, honest questions. And these these are questions designed to help the person sort of dig through this this issue a little deeper, explore it from all kinds of different angles, hopefully sift through some of the mud and and find that wisdom that's that's with it within them already. And so if you you know if you were to you know tell me about a struggle you're having with your partner or something like that, I might ask you um, you know a question like, well, tell me you know tell me how, how that feels like what's the what's the emotion that comes up most frequently around that struggle, and then you know whatever you answer. You know, oh, I'm just uh, I'm just super angry all the time about this. I'm asking, well, you know, tell me about that anger. Like, if you if you described it as an animal, what would it look like? Or if you, you know, where does that reside in your body or something like that? And these are just like you know, open, uh, honest questions. Um, If you keep, I've seen this process become quite magical. And if you if you keep it up and you maintain that spirit of curiosity and and um, and respect and 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 love and honesty and then you can often come at something um, quite, you know, a lot deeper than the person might have otherwise solved or the other person might have given them uh, as advice. And, you know, the key is the key is in the questioning. Right. And so you're trying to avoid, you know, closed questions like yes or no questions. You're trying to ask questions. And it's not about the person asking the question to satisfy their intellectual curiosity. It's about helping the, the receiver go deeper. Right. And you're also not asking uh, advice that's wrapped in a question. Well, have you considered seeing a therapist? That's not a question. That's a <laughs> that's that's advice wrapped with a question mark on the end. And um, and and so you know all of that touches on what you talked about is like that that inner wisdom. And uh, if you have somebody in your life, it, and it's hard to access that inner wisdom on your own unless you're a very skilled practitioner of navigating your inner landscape. Uh, to have somebody be able to lead you through a process like that, just sitting with you, listening, empathizing, asking a few questions. It can be, it can be quite powerful. And so I, I tend to, towards a bias that all of, you know, all of the big questions, even maybe not the questions about Facebook marketing, that's more of a technical thing. Uh, but, you know, 
most of the questions that are most meaningful to me are the answers are already inside me and I just need to be patient and curious enough to find them. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And I would say, I mean, I agree with everything you said that I've gone through all of it myself many times over. And one of the reasons I was struggling with before, and it's a work in progress still, big time, is the idea of trusting oneself, that those answers that you have within are the right answers. And again, again, you know, for me, it comes from the way I grew up, the way I learned things in school and what I did in my young adult years. But now I'm starting to realize the way the second, looking back at my life, I can realize that a lot of the things I knew inside were good enough answers so I can go with them. So it's rebuilding the trust in oneself and sitting in a conversation like you described will allow you to get those answers, will allow others to help you find the trust within to find those answers and, and stick with them. And that's so powerful. Yeah. Or even, uh, you know, an honest conversation with yourself. And, and that can take many forms, right? Um, you know, my personal favorite is journaling. And um, I have a particular sort of framework and practice around journaling. Um, but yeah, that um, the, the trust part is, is important, right? Because uh, we, we have learned not to trust ourselves, you know, through various conditioning and whatnot. And um, for me, the biggest route to trusting myself over the last few years has been learning an embodiment practice, learning to, learning to actually notice and become aware of and listen to my body. And, um, and, you know, for most of my life, uh, my entire experience took place here, you know, above, above the neck. It was like this, you know, mental construct. And I didn't even real, I knew I had a body, but I didn't realize that there was, you know, all sorts of sensations and experience and wisdom and whatever in, in that body. And, um, I, and I have a daily embodiment practice now and, um, and, you know, I can explain, I can go into what that looks like, but we don't need to do that. But I, you know, I, I trust in what's happening in my body and I can, and I, and I, and I'm starting to be able to discern what that, what those clues are. And so if something is, you know, causing a real tightness in my chest, uh, I can get curious about that and be like, Hey, what's, what's happening there. And, uh, and that can give me useful information and, you know, and it can be as, as explicit as like, oh, I'm considering, you know, a major decision and I'm going to visually contemplate decision A and I'm going to sit with that for 10 minutes and just see like what comes up in my body as I'm contemplating that and try to get, you know, try to paint that picture as vividly as possible and then try to try to maintain as much awareness as I can to my body. And then I'm going to contemplate decision B and see what happens there. And one of those, more often than not, will kind of feel constricted and another one will feel a little freer, maybe more energetic, more flowing. And that to me is like tapping into this much deeper well of wisdom than what I can do with my, my brain and my logical, uh, you know, my logical self, because that to me feels like it's accessing something much more profound, something that is taking a, a much larger field of view into question in my brain, which tends to take a very narrow view. And that's, um, that's been super useful. And it is, um, you know, it rarely ever guides me poorly. I really like that you, you went there because actually that's one of the practices I've started doing uh, more recently after working with uh, a really good mentor of mine. And uh, this idea of connecting to your body came up because your body will communicate with you, your heart, whatever you want to call it, your higher self. And you'll be able, like you said, sit with different emotions, different decisions, and see how your body feels. And my practice is fairly simple right now. It's just a meditation in the morning for about five or 10 minutes. But I'd be curious to, to see how your practice has started and evolved to allow you to get to a point right now where you can sit with those decisions in meditation and allow your body to help you come to the right answer. Well, my my daily embodiment practice has a couple of, um, a couple of aims. One of them is to develop more of a connection with my body so that so that I'm better able to connect with that and sort of parse out what it's trying to tell me. And the other part of it is um, is trying to basically calm my nervous system and and help release some of the hold my triggers have on me. And so one very, you know, one very um, 
one very clear example of that. And I already pointed out how, you know, my, my wife is very good at, at shining the spotlight on where I'm not measuring up. And sometimes that comes out gracefully and sometimes it doesn't come out very gracefully and comes out as, you know, intense frustration or anger or whatever that may be. And my traditional pattern for most of our life together has been when that happens because of my conditioning and childhood and all, you know, all the, I tend to just shut down and, and clench up. And then I either become defensive or I wall up and, you know, become silent or I, you know, physically leave the room or whatever, all of which, uh, you know, just enrage the situation even more and make her even more frustrated because I'm not staying in the room. I'm, she doesn't feel heard. She doesn't feel listened to. The connection is lost. Uh, and so part of that practice is to learn how to work with my nervous system and work with those triggers and stuff like that. And so um, some of that is just, uh, you know, the various breathing practices. Uh, some of it is, is, it's just embodiment practices, just paying attention. It's a little bit different than a typical meditation, right? A typical meditation, as most people know, it is like, just pay attention to your thoughts or pay attention to your breath, but then notice when your attention strays over to your thoughts and gently rope it back in. And that's kind of a, it's a pretty intellectual exercise I find. Whereas when I drop into my body and I'm trying to notice, you know, all of the different sensations in my body and what's happening in my body, it's a very kind of grounded experience. And, um, and so, you know, and then I might have a practice where uh, I'm trying to maintain multiple awarenesses. So I'm, I'm trying to, maintain attention on my breath, but then I'm also trying to pay attention to, you know, my chest, for instance, or my feet or something like that, so that I can, um, I can get better and better at maintaining these different awarenesses. And uh, one of the most, one of the most beneficial practices for me has been Wim Hof breathing, uh, a Wim, Wim Hof practice, where, you know, there's a bit of breathing, warm up, breathing in and out quickly, and then you exhale all your breath, and then you hold it for as long as you can. And, you know, I've done lots of exercises in the past where you take a big deep breath in and you hold your breath, but doing the hold on the exhale is, it's, it's a completely, it's kind of a completely different beast because when you let out all your breath and then you try to hold it very quickly, your, your brain and your body and everything goes into panic mode. And uh, when I started doing it, it would be like 15 seconds, 20 seconds, and I'm going to panic mode. And then as soon as I hit panic mode, boom, I take a breath in, I can't handle that anymore. And I'm now up, you know, regularly up to a minute 30, sometimes almost almost two minutes. And I'm better able to sit with that because the panic mode doesn't mean when you when you go into that panic mode, it doesn't mean that your body's actually going to shut down. You're going to die. You still have quite quite a lot of time before that's going to happen. It's just like we're not used to that discomfort and we go haywire. And so now I can feel that coming on and I can calm my body and I can calm all the signals and say, hey, it's going to be OK. And I can sit with it, you know, for another minute. Um, which when I started out felt almost impossible. Yeah. And, and so the translation into the real world is that when things get difficult and your nervous system starts going haywire, you can then sit with that. You can drop into your body and you can say, hey, it's okay. Let's calm down. Let's pay attention and let's stay in the present moment instead of spiraling off into all these thoughts about, you know, uh, how things are going to fall apart or whatever. And, uh, and so, you know, in a situation like a heated conversation with my wife, I can, I can feel that arise. I can, you know, drop into my body, still pay attention to her, but pay attention to the present moment. And then it just kind of calms down and I can hear her and I can empathize with her and I can, you know, I can be loving and compassionate instead of defensive. So that's what it, that's what it looks like in practice. Very good. Very good. And thank you for sharing that. And I, I do a few of those things you mentioned and the Wim Hof breathing is something I've tried in the past and. I've given up at some point, but now you gave me a good reminder to go back and, and try it again with the new knowledge I have and new practices. Well, you know, if you want, if uh, I can, I can, uh, I can message you after we're done recording and I can send you the guided Wim Hof um, breathing that I, that I do. And it's quite, uh, it's quite useful for introducing you to the practice, you know, if oh, you've awesome. never done it, then you can put that in the show notes or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll share that with everyone. That would be amazing, Mike. Good stuff. I know we're coming close to the hour here, but I have uh, one other question for you and then we'll let people know where they can find you and all that good stuff. But on uh, back to the Wayfinders group you created and your website, you talk about how getting people outdoors and into the wilderness and facing challenges together, so doing things together that are tough, that take you outside of your comfort zone, is an incredible recipe for you know building strong, lasting bonds 
and friendships. And I'm wondering, why do you think that's the case? Because, I, you know, you see this everywhere. It's, it's what built my friendships and bonds last year when I went to Ecuador. But it's something that people don't necessarily think about and expect it to be the case. Mm-hmm. Well, so my, my previous company that I ran for 20 plus years, it was called Sacred Rods. And um, disclaimer, there was nothing religious about it, except for the religious experience of mountain biking in the great outdoors. But we we ran guided mountain bike trips uh, all over the world. And um, for the first 10 years of that company, when it was based in British Columbia, and I was guiding, you know, I was guiding most of the trips myself and cooking, you know, kind of doing everything. Um, I was very directly involved with, the, you know, the product, uh, with the customers, because I was out there guiding them in the mountains. And and so what I found is that, you know, when you take people outside and you're doing these really challenging, tough things together, that people tend to bond very quickly. And they 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 bond, one, over shared struggle because they can empathize with each other, you know, of how hard something is. But they also bond over when somebody is seeing somebody else, like, really struggle. And that creates uh, an invitation and an opportunity for them to help that person. And maybe that help is just, like, an encouraging word. Or maybe it's, like, you know, carrying their bike for them up a mountain because they can't get up or whatever it is. And that's immediately a point of empathy and connection and appreciation uh, for those people that you don't get, you know, in, in perhaps a different context. And, and so that, uh, that shared sense of struggle is a very human thing because to be human is to struggle. I don't know, you know, I don't know any, anybody except the most skilled bullshitters who, who don't struggle or who haven't struggled. And so that is a, that is a common element for all humans. And so, you know, if I share uh, a story of a struggle or an experience of a struggle, you are going to connect with that because you have been there before, unless you're like completely emotionally closed down or something like that. So it's a very, it's a very great way for people to um, connect on a, on a deeper level. And so I carried that into Wayfinders and the whole, the whole reason for being for the company was that I was a little bit dissatisfied with the entrepreneur conference model and they were all kind of the same which is like you know you go somewhere you go to a hotel or a conference center or whatever for a few days and you know there's a there's a speaker on the main stage and then you go to a workshop and then another speaker and then maybe there's a networking break in the hallway and then a meal and then another speaker and 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 um it just wasn't a very good it was very information heavy and the information you know i got a lot of good information from there but the, the value I got was from the connections that I made, but I had to really work at that. And so I wanted to create something where the focus was on connections. So I knew, you know, from my experience with the previous company, take people outdoors, expose them to challenges together, give them an opportunity to connect over those challenges and struggle and, and you know, magic and connection will, will result. And that's still, you know, to this day, a very key ingredient uh, in, in about a month. I'm going to be taking people to Western Mongolia to one of the most remote places on earth. And we're going to be doing, uh, you know, we're going to be doing something extremely challenging and I'm taking them to a, a very, um, a very challenging environment. It's remote, it's cold. It is, uh, it is harsh and unforgiving. And, um, and I know that there's probably going to be all kinds of crap that goes wrong because of the nature of where it is and what we're trying to. But I also know that, you know, even if things do go wrong and not according to my plan, that some magic is going to result uh, as a result of that because of just, you know, the nature of people coming together around those shared experiences and challenges. And so uh, so that that's one of the elements of the model. The, the other elements is culture and exposing people to different different cultures. Um not from a, you know, the way we tend to think of culture in the context of travel is like, oh, here, let's, you know, let's look at some cool dances or, you know, take a cooking class or whatever. Um, things are kind of interesting or whatever, but they don't really teach you anything. They don't teach you anything about how those people really view the world. They don't really teach you much that you can take home except maybe a recipe. And so the way I look at it is from a standpoint that all of these cultures, particularly these ancient cultures around the world, they have something really meaningful to teach us, particularly because they're ancient, because they have survived for so long. And culture is simply, you know, an, uh, a set of operating instructions for how to move through the world and survive. And and um, and so, you know, whether it's the shamans of Peru that we've spent time with or whether it's the Batwa people of Uganda uh, or the hunters of Greenland or the Kazakh nomads of Mongolia, these cultures all have something really interesting that we can 
learn because we, you know, in the West are all locked in this one dominant paradigm of what it means to live a human life, right? And we're starting to question that, that message of like, get ahead, you know, succeed, financial success, accumulate more things, achieve more goals. And a lot of people are finding that exhausting and not very fulfilling. And so, you know, we're going to be spending time with a nomadic Kazakh family in Western Mongolia, and we're going to be accompanying their fall migration. And one thing I've learned from spending time with those people is they have a really deep, intimate connection with the land. And that connection helps sustain them. It helps nourish them. It helps them feel a sense of home, uh, even though they move all the time, right? But they have this deep sense of home that wherever they are and wherever their flocks are, that's that's home for them. And that's something you can take away and, and, and bring home. And um, so that's why, that, you know, I'm very intentional about the places I choose because I believe the culture is something to to give us that's useful for bringing home. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's beautiful and a good way to look at it, right? Because like you said, the Wayfinder model, and I'm looking at your website right now, right? It's community, challenge, and culture. And we touch on all three of those elements of it. And uh, okay, let's tell people where they can find you, where they can find out more information if they want to look at joining Wayfinders or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so the website is way-finders.com, W-A-Y-finders.com. Um, you know, my... My next three events, Mongolia in October, Ecuador in February, Laos in October of 2024, they're all, they're all sold out. So uh, the next one isn't until 2025. I haven't released those yet, but you can get on the wait list and I can let you know. Um, I'm super excited about 2024. This year, I actually launched um, kind of a community membership model to go alongside the ad- adventures because uh, what was happening was, you know, we'd go to these faraway places and this incredible community of people would form and we would form these deep friendships and bonds. And then people would go home and kind of scatter and people would maintain, you know, a few individual friendships uh, with the people that resonated most. But this this one particular community did not endure. And so I wanted to create a container where there was lots of opportunities to connect both online, in person, through workshops, whatever, throughout the year before and after the events. So I launched that earlier this year and we've got 91 members, I think, uh, now. And that's wonderful. That's going to another cohort starting in January of of next year. But I'm also launching this 30 week, uh, I call it the Entrepreneur Compass. And so it's basically a system for navigating the world of entrepreneurship in a way that is much more nourishing and fulfilling than just hustle and scale and constantly growing, which uh, I've found is kind of exhausting and a lot of people have. So the goal of that program, teach you how to run a business that's aligned, it's aligned with who you are, that it's easy to run, doesn't overwhelm you, and that it's profitable. And it's not, you know, just focus on endless growth, which more often than not results in, you know, serious cash flow struggles. Uh, so that's the goal of that program. And, um, and, I'm ex- and I'm excited about all of that and just serving the community. Awesome, Mike. Well, that's all amazing stuff. And we'll put them in the show notes for people to check out. And before I let you go today, Mike, is there anything else top of mind that maybe we haven't touched on that you feel it's important to share with the audience? Well, um, I mean, we, we've kind of touched on it, but I, I wanted to maybe just take it a step deeper because I believe, as, as you know, hopefully you've come to, to, um, to see during this interview, I really believe deeply in the power of human connection. And it's not just a personal bias. All the science, you know, shows how important it is. And we've touched on this idea of intentionality and being intentional about your relationships and putting time and effort into them. Um, But I wanted to maybe quickly share just like how I go about it and how I think about this. And to some people, it might sound kind of weird, but like I have, you know, all the people that I want to connect with and including, you know, all my Wayfinders members. Uh, I have them in a database, in a in an Airtable kind of spreadsheet type of thing, and <clears throat> I have, um, you know, and and I and I have a, a field where it shows when's the last time we connected, and then uh, I have other fields that you know, what, how, did we connect on a call? Was it coffee? Was it lunch? That kind of stuff, and then I have you know a whole system, and my assistant kind of manages all of this for me reaching out to people, inviting them to connect with me, call, coffee, lunch, you know, mountain bike ride, whatever, whatever it may be. And it's a kind of a systematic bit of a mechanical way to approach it. You know, but the way I tell people is like, I don't want to spend my precious time, you know, managing the logistics of meeting up with people and all this kind of stuff. I want to spend my time connecting with you and being present with you. And the less time I spend on the logistics and the admin on that, the more time I have to spend with you and be present and all that kind of stuff. So 
I really tried to systematize this whole thing and uh, and make it a priority. So there's you know lots of chunks in my calendar that are devoted to connecting with people and nurturing relationships. And uh, you know you don't have to take it that far, but it could be as simple as just make a list on a piece of paper in a Google sheet, you know, whatever you want, make a list of all the people that you want to uh, make time for, because it's so easy to let time go by. And, you know, we talked about how relationships can fade and wither. And then before you know it, it's been five years and some person that you you know really respect and want to spend time with, you haven't spent time with this. And then it gets harder and harder to, uh, you know, broach that big gap. So I just want to impress on people about being intentional about it and, you know, creating whatever system works for them to keep those people top of mind and reach out to them. And once you start investing that time, people will start reciprocating, right? You may be the one who has to do the work initially, but then they'll start to reciprocate as well. It's like, oh, hey, we haven't had coffee in a couple of months. Let's let's get together. I so loved our last coffee. You know, thanks for reaching out. So um, if, if there's one thing that I hope people take away from that is just that idea of like be intentionally investing in your relationships and nurturing them and and making time for the people you love and want to spend time with. Awesome, Mike. That's a great way to end this conversation and bring it all together. I want to thank you again for your time and your wisdom. It's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do, and I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration, and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment, or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at unleashthyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at unleashthyselftoday, TikTok and YouTube at unleashthyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose with purpose. See you in the next episode.